congratulations. I'd wish you another seven. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Little here with Steve Green and Scott Ott, and it's time for a little pop quiz. Don't worry, this is not going to go on your permanent record. Uh, this will be true for just about everybody watching this. There'll be a few people that it's not, but I asked this question on the backstage show, and since they already gave me the answer, this one's for you at home. Can you think of someone who's had the same job from the moment you were born until today, held the same job your entire life? Okay, time's up. Uh, for me and for many, many other people, including Stephen Scott, one of those people is Queen Elizabeth II, who uh, is celebrating her platinum jubilee. She's been queen for 70 years. 1952 was when she got the job that she still holds. She's 93, I believe. Uh, I, I've had a lot of personal experience with the English monarchy. I'm, I'm half British. My mom is British. I went to British schools in Bermuda when I grew up. And having spent a lifetime, uh, including several years singing God Save the Queen every morning, uh, I've always thought that Elizabeth was uh, dignified and refined and, and somewhat wooden and maybe perhaps a little bit inhuman. The uh, the, the series, uh, The Crown, has shown that, that to be uh, quite uh, opposite to the real case. But the one thing that really, really, really made me feel better about Queen Elizabeth II as an individual was something that was just produced a few days ago. I don't normally show something in its entirety. It's a little right around two minutes, but we're going to do it here because it needs to be seen all the way through. Lovely Jubilee. Tea? Oh, yes, please. like a marmalade sandwich. I always keep one for emergencies. So do I. I keep mine in here. Oh. For later. The party is about to start, Your Majesty. Happy Jubilee, man. And thank you for everything. That's very kind.
For those of you not familiar with Paddington Bear, Paddington is much like Pooh, only without the brain injury, uh, and, and is an extremely charming character that goes back to children's book a, a long, long way. Uh, Steve, there's something about this that is just so sweet. And by the way, I must say, I, I, I have to say that that, that uh, that royal band rocketed to to um, yes. to, to Queen yeah. and, and it, with the strobe lights. That I was like, I want one of those for America. Um, Steve, we 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 kind of solved this um, uh, monarchy situation uh, two hundred fifty some years ago, uh, but it is such a, a integral part of, of of British life. There's a constant battle on whether or not the queen should be replaced or whether a public or whatever. But I'll tell you what, I think this Paddington video has done more for the monarchy than just about anything I can personally think of in a long, long time. It is just lovely. And lovely is one of those uh, particularly British compliments that I, I, I adopted for my American self years and years ago because, well, it's just lovely. It's um, ever so lovely. It really is. And... It's a combination of sweet and heartwarming and uh, funny. Well, no, let me say humorous without being jokey. There's just so much all wrapped into that concept that I love it. That said, um, you know, you say we, we, we solved our, our problem with the monarchy here 250 years ago. And that's true. Uh, we never needed a monarchy here. We never had a monarchy here. We were pioneers, homesteaders, colonists. Ooh, I said the C word. Uh, we, we were on our own from the start. And that's not something where a monarchy ever comes in or should have come in. And I'm rather glad we're rid of them. Um, that said, there is something charming and maybe sometimes even necessary about what I, I like to think of as uh, harmless anachronisms. You know, England doesn't have a tyrannical queen with a with a guillotine and she orders people into the into the uh, the Tower of London to await their beheading or anything like that. Their appointment with the axeman. I'm sorry, the guillotine was a French device. My bad. It's um, not much of a tower, by the way. No, yeah, yeah. no, it really well, no, it was for, like four stories or something for the time, you know, it was quite the accomplishment. Um, but the monarchy is one of those charming anachronisms, and it's one of those things that holds people to a people together. You know, Bill, we talked a couple of years ago about our mutual affection for the harmless anachronisms of English measurements. Yes, metric is more useful when it comes to science and all that mm -hmm. stuff, but there is something lovely about English measurements. And I think that's why we still use them, even though the, the British reluctantly gave them up as a, a part of their entry into the uh, EU, which, you know, they've since left. Um, but just uh, there is this need on the left to always start back with year one or year zero, depending on which <laughs> leftist faction you're talking about, mm -hmm. uh, that if you just got rid of all of history, that we could we could reset it and get it right this time. Well, the English monarchy has clearly had its ups and downs, but when you watch this Paddington video with a monarch who's been reigning, not ruling, reigning for 70 years, you realize the Brits have got it pretty good right now and you would never want to end that. Uh, Scott, it's difficult for Americans to realize just how deeply woven the British monarchy is into everyday life in Britain. Um, obviously, tourism is a big 
big deal, go see Buckingham Palace or the changing of the guard and so on. And the entire idea of a monarchy can seem a little ridiculous, and maybe it is. But it's difficult for Americans to realize just how pervasive that is. I'll just give you one example. Uh, every mailbox in England, and I'm sure throughout the Great Britain and probably throughout the, the colonies as well, has engraved on it the initials ER. And ER stands for Elizabeth Regina, Queen Elizabeth. It's her mailbox. All of the ships of the Royal Navy are Her Majesty's ship, this and that. It's hers. Uh, when she passes, after having been the longest reigning monarch, I think, in human history, hmm. uh, there will be a, a significant amount of civil work that will need to be done. All of the mailboxes will have to be changed to CR for Charles Rex or perhaps WR for William Rex. And, and all of the ships will technically be renamed in all the dispatches and so on and so on and so on. Uh, she is one of the richest people in the world, if not the richest person in the world. She owns incredible amounts of money. And nevertheless, despite the fact that year after year after year, efforts to eliminate the monarchy on the part of Great Britain, and, and by the way, it's up to the British people's, none of our damn business, frankly, but, but inside Britain, constantly, 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 we need to get rid of it. It's archaic. It's anachronistic. But again, to stress how deep it is, Scott, if they were to get rid of the monarchy, they'd have to rename their entire country. It wouldn't be the United <laughs> yes. Kingdom anymore, right? It'd have to be what, the Republic of Britain or Republic of Great Britain or whatever the case may be. The British people seem to continue to refuse to change the monarchy. And since they don't have a constitution and since the, the actual mechanisms are extremely vague, uh, I don't blame them one bit. This, this is what Britain is. You cannot imagine Britain's history without the secession of kings and queens that I had to learn when I was seven or eight and which continue to fascinate me to this day. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating thing, hard for uh, Americans to understand. Um, and, you know, I find myself sort of nibbling around the crust trying to get a sense of, of what this is. But as I saw those images of that, you know, butler-like character walking down to serve tea to Paddington and the Queen, um, I, and all that sort of over-the-top design of red and gold and, you know, everything with the furniture and the tapestries and the carpets and uh, and the porcelain or whatever they make pots out of. Um, I looked at that and I just thought, that's not for her. Like, she doesn't, in her own private little world, need all that. She may not even care for it, for all I know. It's not about her. And this, not to put too fine a point on it, but in a sense, the being the queen is a burden. It's like something you you do out of a sense of duty. And That's yes, right. you're you're going to live like a wealthy person, but you could live a lot more enjoyably like a wealthy person in other ways. And in fact, there are lots of other people who are part of the extended, you know, royal family or just who are barons and earls and, and business people or whatever who, who live quite out of the spotlight for the most part and enjoy the same kind of wealth. But she has managed over 70 years to carry the burden of Britain on her own shoulders. Like she is the personification of the, of the height of their society. If I, like when I looked at all that, and I think one of you guys said it while we were looking at the videos, like oh, Steve said, wow, those British people really know how to make a palace. You know, and you, you look at that, it's like, yeah, it's the British people 
who know how to make a palace. The queen didn't build that. <laughs> you know, like together, this is a symbol to the world that says, it's almost like a missile defense system. It's, it's almost like a defensive thing that says, hey, hey, folks, take a look at this. This is what we can do. You know, this is our, this is how, what we can do with architecture and art. And, and this is our gold and this is our magnificence and this is all this kind of stuff. And here is our queen who, as far as I know, has never humiliated the royal family in the course of her 70 years. And if you want to find out how hard that is, just look at any of her other relatives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and see how well yeah, not they a day have to name names. No. Just see how well they have done that. In any case, it just you know, we don't need a queen here. We have a constitution that is the envy of the world. But she in a way is also the envy of the world. Well, like um, like so many people in this country, I'm kind of a half-breed. My father's American. My mom is British. Uh, my heart is American. When I think about America and royalty and monarchy and aristocracy, I'm reminded of this famous story about a British aristocrat who came and visited America back in the 1800s or something, found a, a, a cowboy, some low cowhand or something, repairing a barbed wire fence or something, wanted to talk to the person who owned the ranch, went up to the cowboy and said, I say, good man, uh, where, where, where may I find your master? And the guy looked up at him and said, that son bitch ain't born yet. And, and that, and that kind of thing uh, appeals to me. And, and we're a rough, young, uh, energetic nation and we're rowdy and ruly and we break the very fine, delicate China that, that, uh, they serve tea with, uh, to bears in, in, um, Buckingham Palace. But with that said, uh, the entire history of the West is often described in terms of who the British monarch was. We had not not, not so much with Elizabeth, yeah. but we had the Elizabethan age, which was where Shakespeare flourished. We had the Victorians. We had the Edwardians. We had stories of, of uh, Bertie, the second son, who found himself king of England when his older brother abdicated for an American divorcee and with a terrible speech impediment, found a way to become Hmm. the stabilizing factor in World War II. Winston Churchill, from the beginning, adored Elizabeth, adored her, worshipped her, and and her parents too. There was a moment during the Blitz in in the Second World War when Buckingham Palace was bombed. And and Elizabeth's mother, the Queen Mother, uh, said, now we can go out and face the rest of the people in London. Now, now we can go and face them. Um, and, and they did. And they did go and face them. And, and this is what the country is. It is the United Kingdom. And, and no matter what you think of the monarchy or the individual people in it, it is, as Scott pointed out so well, it is their constitution. It is the glue that holds that society together. It is their history. It is their timeline. It's a genealogy. It goes back to 1066 when the Normans debated. It goes further than that, too. Uh, I am. I have a great deal of respect for 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 Elizabeth, and has been pointed out not necessarily all of her relatives, but you know what? All of the relatives are not the monarch. There's one monarch, and that is Elizabeth Regina, and her husband, uh, the consort, basically uh, Prince Philip. I'll just close with this. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm half British. I have a, a direct personal connection to Prince William, Diana's son, uh, who's 
very likely to be the next king of England or will be shortly. Because my grandfather taught Prince William's grandfather how to play soccer. <laughs> That's a true story. Somewhere back in the, I don't know if it was the 40s or 30s or even earlier, my grandfather was stationed in, uh, in the Middle East and he was in Beirut. And back at the time, uh, Beirut, Lebanon was, a, was like Khan or was, it was a resort. It was yeah. beautiful, beautiful resort. And he saw a lonely kid sitting there on the beach while other kids were out there playing soccer. And my grandfather went up to this child, and was a young teen, 10 or, 10 or 11 or something, said, what's the matter? He says, oh, I don't know how to play. I was you know, raised elsewhere on the play soccer. So my, my grandfather showed him some basic moves, got him out there on the field. Next thing you know, this kid is out there kicking a ball around, having a final time. Well, that young man was Prince Philip of Greece, who many years later would marry Queen Elizabeth. He died just a few years ago. They'd been together their entire lives. And at a reception, many, many, many years later, probably just shortly before my grandfather died in 76, he was a uh, order of the British Empire. That's a relatively low level, but still significant um, order of, of the British Empire. There was a reception line, and as they were going down the reception line, Philip stopped and looked at my grandfather for a moment and couldn't quite place him. And then after a moment, Philip, his royal highness, uh, lit up and said, Alf? And he said, yes, your, your highness. Um, yes, it's me. Uh, I find myself astonishingly proud of that story for reasons I can't fully understand, but nevertheless I am. And uh, and uh, to Elizabeth, who I know is a, a frequent watcher of Right Angle, I would I would just like to say congratulations, uh, Your Royal Highness. It's been an amazing run. You've been an absolute beacon of civility, decency, calmness. And you exemplify more than any historical figure. This is my personal opinion, and I know the history of Britain. Um, uh, your, your Royal Highness, you represent the idea of a stiff upper lip, the essence mm. of the British identity better than any Brit that has ever lived on this earth. Congratulations. I'd wish you another 70. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Right Hand.